witness. What we have seen on display this morning is nothing short of true greatness. And I want us to think about true greatness according to Jesus. We've been doing a short series through the Advent period called Christmas According to Jesus. We've been looking at different places in the Gospels where Jesus explains in his own words what Christmas, what his coming into the world was all about. We started a couple of weeks back and looked at John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us abundant life. Then a couple of weeks back, we looked at Matthew 9:13 where Jesus said I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Jesus said it's not the healthy that need a doctor it's the sick and he said that he was like a doctor coming into the world to heal people who had become sick because of sin sick in their souls. This week then I want us to think on Matthew 20, 28, where Jesus explains his coming using the title that he loved to use for himself, the Son of Man. He said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This verse comes in a passage where Jesus is teaching his disciples about the meaning of true greatness. And this is a really important subject for us to consider because the pursuit of greatness is something that our world takes very seriously. What is greatness according to this world? Well, here's a picture of the UFC fighting champion Conor McGregor. He became a champion in two weight classes, and in an interview, he said once, I am the greatest. I'm number one, two, three, four, and five. I'm the greatest fighter in any class. He said he was the greatest because he knocked everyone else out to get to the top. Is that true greatness? We all know that Donald Trump still wants to make America great again. And by great, he means bigger and better and stronger than before. He speaks of making America prosperous, powerful, and influential once again. You see, greatness, according to the world, is very self-focused. It means success, prosperity, ability, Power, influence, being more able than others, being better than others, aiming to be number one and have people admire you for it. That is greatness according to the world. But Jesus had a very different definition of greatness. 
What did he mean by greatness? Well, in this passage, he explains that true greatness is not self-focused, but it's actually self-forgetting. It's not self-serving, but it's self-giving. And he actually explains in this passage, Matthew 20, verses 20 to 28, that his coming at Christmas is actually the ultimate demonstration of true greatness. He said he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our passage this morning and in this talk, this is here to make us to make sure that we're thinking rightly about what true greatness is according to Jesus, so that knowing what true greatness is, we can go after pursuing it with all our hearts. And so the first thing that we see in this passage is that greatness is misunderstood. We see true greatness is misunderstood in the passage by James and John and their mother. The account of Matthew 20, 20 opens with the mother of the two disciples, James and John, coming up to Jesus and asking if he would do her a favor. Jesus says in verse 21, what do you want me to do for you? And she says, grant my two sons, my two wee boys, grant them a prominent position in your kingdom in the future. When you're sitting in your throne in the middle of heaven, grant one of my sons to sit on your right-hand side and one of my sons to sit on your left-hand side in your kingdom. Now, in some ways, you have to think, she was trying to be a good mum here, wasn't she? She's like, here's my wee boys. I want them to have a real good position in the future in heaven. Now, Mark tells us in his gospel that it's not as if James and John were embarrassed by their mum asking Jesus this question. In fact, they were fully engaged in this request. It's not as if they were cringing and saying, Mom, why did you ask Jesus that? Mark tells us, no, James and John were fully involved themselves. They wanted this position, a position of prominence and importance. And Jesus answered the disciples and their mother in verse 22, saying, essentially, you don't really even know what you're asking about. These are not my positions to grant, but are for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. And in verse 24, when we read of the other disciples and their opinion on what was going on here, we read that they were outraged. The other disciples were absolutely outraged that James and John and their mother would try to get James and John the best position in heaven in the future. Maybe they're not just upset with James and John because their mother asked the question, but maybe they were upset because they didn't get in there first. James and John... And their mother, they wanted a position of greatness in the kingdom. For them, that meant a position of importance, being ahead of others, being in a place of prominence where people would look at them and say, oh, they must be very important people. 
their thinking on greatness was too shaped by the world and their culture around them. And I think we have to ask ourselves, might we have fallen into the mistake of being too influenced by the world's definition of greatness? Do we think that greatness is about ability, position, success, and power, etc.? Well, if that's the case, maybe we need to remember how Jesus defined true greatness in the next part of the passage. In verses 25 to 28, Jesus now explains true greatness. He realizes that the disciples have imbibed a worldly way of thinking about greatness. So in verse 25, he gathers the disciples all together and he sees their misunderstanding as a teaching moment. That's so often the way Jesus teaches. He says to the disciples, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. He's essentially saying, look, all the people out in the world there, they consider greatness having a position of authority over others. He says their great ones exercise authority over them. He says, essentially, to his disciples, guys, outside of my kingdom, in the world, Greatness is all about position, popularity, and privilege. This greatness gives you power and authority, and you can get servants and have people run after you and do your every whim. You're on top, and there are people under you to do the menial tasks that no one else wants to do. That's greatness according to the world, getting to the top and having people underneath you. But look at what Jesus says in verse 26 but it shall not be so among you. That is such a powerful line in this narrative. Jesus looks at greatness according to the world. He says it's about ability and power and success and being ahead of everyone else and looking down on others. He said that's what the world considers greatness as, but it, should n it shall not be so among you. It shall not be so among you, among my people. There is a different way to think about true greatness. Jesus is saying the way of my disciples, my way is different to the way of the world. The world apart from God pursues first place. The world is marked by self-centeredness. But it shall not be so among you. You are to be different. Jesus continues. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Here is true greatness according to Jesus. Not self-centeredness, but servant-heartedness. Not thinking of one's own interests, but looking out for the interests of others. It's a humble putting yourself second to raise others up. 
So in light of this, I think we have to ask ourselves, what is shaping our understanding of true greatness? Have we imbibed the world's idea of greatness? Maybe we need to change our thinking slightly in this area. Pursuing true greatness doesn't mean you don't have ambition. It doesn't mean that you press on. It doesn't mean that you can't press on towards excellence in every area of work and life. Of course, we want to do our best at everything we do, whatever our ability. But we don't have an attitude that is self-focused and that tramples others down so that we can get to the top. Well, after Jesus explains the essence of true greatness, he goes on to explain how Christmas is actually the ultimate embodiment of true greatness. Look at how he anchors his teaching and calling to be a servant of all in Christmas in verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, look, what I'm calling you to in true greatness, not being served, but serving others, giving yourself for others, that is essentially what I have done, Jesus says, at Christmas. The key verbs in verse 28 are serve and give. Jesus said he came to serve and to give. This is true greatness. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And a ransom means a price that is paid to set prisoners free. Jesus says, I came to serve the many by giving my life to set them free. Free from what? Well, first, free from sin and all of its consequences. Jesus said in John 8, 34, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But in John 8, 36, he went on to say, but if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Christmas was the ultimate embodiment of true greatness. One who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life so that people enslaved in sin could be liberated. He would serve us by leaving his place of glory, by taking on flesh, by bearing our sin and shame and absorbing the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to experience it. He would serve us by going through death ahead of us to prepare a place for us. He would serve us by giving himself up for us. Let's remember in this account, Jesus points to his life and death because he wants us to see that his life and death and resurrection defines true greatness. He wants us to know 
that as his people, we're not just to understand that gospel, but we are ourselves to embody it. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, the Apostle Paul taught this. He said, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus could have stared in glory and said, I'm not leaving this for anyone. But he did not just think of his own interests, he thought of the interests of others, our interests. And so he left the glory of heaven and came to serve and to give his life to set us free so that we could know eternal life. But Jesus said, that is not just the message that is, it saves you, that is the message that is to shape your life as my people. And so in light of this, the Apostle Paul said, in humility, therefore, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The world says the pursuit of greatness is all about me. It's all about my position, my popularity, my power, my praise. Jesus says, if you want to be truly great, you must die to all of that and pursue true greatness by putting others' needs before your own. That is true greatness. Jesus says, you want to see true greatness, look at Christmas. The Son of God taking on flesh, being born in a place where animals were brought in at night. You want to see true greatness, see the cradle with the shadow of the cross cast upon it. Look at Easter, see on the cross one who said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give. You want to see true greatness, move your eyes from the cradle of Christmas to the cross at Calvary. So let's ask ourselves this morning, in light of this passage, are we thinking rightly about true greatness? More than that, let's not just ask, am I thinking rightly about true greatness, but am I in some way trying to embody true greatness? I want us to respond this morning with two brief application thoughts. The first thing I want to call us to this morning is to let Jesus' teaching shape our thinking about greatness and to be encouraged by it. Let me give you a little example of how this teaching has helped me this week. My dear wife is at home this morning. She's not too well. She's got a chest infection. And it put her, it's put her out of commission for the past couple of days. And so instead of a nice uh, leisurely Saturday yesterday, I was given a list of chores to do. And um, it's not my favorite thing in the world to do, but I had to separate out all the washing, the darks to the lights and the colors. And I asked, I was like, why can't I not put the reds with the colors or the darks? And so sort of, she, Lindsay just said, you just do it your own way. Just don't put the whites in with the, 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 the colors. 
And after that, I had to uh, tidy the kitchen and had to do a whole load of other things. And I remember at the end of the day, I think, I'm absolutely wrecked. Um, I, 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 uh, I, you know, I, I appreciate uh, a lot more a lot of the chores that go on without me even noticing. But you know, at the end of the day, whenever I thought about it, I was like, see, just separating the wash and putting it in the washing machine for my wife who was sick, that was an act of true greatness. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not blowing my own trumpet here. But I just sat and thought, a simple act of service for someone else is an act of true greatness. And so I want to encourage you this morning. There are some people out here this morning, and I know you're caring for aging parents, and it's hard going. By serving and giving, see all that stuff that no one else notices, the Lord sees and says, that's an act of true greatness. Be encouraged. Anyone who's caring for someone who's not able this morning, perhaps, and can't care for themselves, and there's so much work in it, and it's so exhausting, be encouraged. Jesus looks at those little acts where you've served and gived, or gave, and he says, that's true greatness. And in all those little ways where you serve others, and you care, whether it's parents caring for children, or whether it's uh, people caring for aging parents, or it's a husband caring for a wife, or a wife caring for a husband, or if you're here and you're single and you're caring for your friends, in whatever shape it takes, Jesus says those little acts of humble service, they're little acts of true greatness. So um, I'll go back to Lindsay this morning and I'll let her know that yesterday I demonstrated true greatness. And I'm sure she'll probably respond and say, well, I must be being truly great every single day of the week. So be encouraged. Jesus wants our thinking about true greatness to encourage us whenever we're serving and it's hard work and no one else notices. Jesus sees it and says, that's great. Second, I want us to respond this morning by ourselves over the rest of this Advent season and beyond. Let's ask ourselves, what would it look like for me to do a simple act of true greatness this Christmas? Think of someone who perhaps is in need of encouragement. Maybe someone who's shut in and can't get out to our services. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's finding things particularly tough. How could you reflect the selfless heart of Jesus in a simple act of sacrificial love towards that person? How could you go low to lift someone up this Christmas? How can you put yourself intentionally out of the center and put someone else's needs in front of your own? For when you do that, it is an embodiment of true greatness. So I would really encourage you, be thinking of someone that needs encouragement. It could be as simple as picking up the phone or sending a text message to someone. Someone who's maybe in a far off country and they're on their own or they're going to be isolated this Christmas or someone who's just unwell and you think, I want to go the extra mile to encourage them. That will be an act of true greatness and I would encourage you to pursue acts of true greatness this Christmas. And of course, the whole thing about it being truly great is not many people see it. You know, it's quite profound when you reflect on this morning's service. We have witnessed an act of true greatness this morning with our friends from the Following God Together group serving us. 
in a simple way. They have served and they have gave themselves to us by helping us lead our service, guiding us in prayers, in reading, in lighting our candle, in our call to worship, sharing a little bit about how they sought to embody true acts of greatness throughout the COVID pandemic. Jesus would look upon us this morning, perhaps, and say, wow, that was truly great. So may the simple act of greatness that our friends have demonstrated this morning, may it encourage us to do the same through this Christmas season and beyond. Let's seek to be truly great by being humble and by seeking to put others' needs before our own. Let's serve and let's give to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the lesson that Jesus has taught us in Matthew 20 about true greatness. It's not about trampling others underneath our feet so that we can get ahead. It's actually trying to have an attitude where we look out for others and seek to serve and to give. True greatness is not about ability, it's about an attitude. An attitude that seeks to serve and to give. And Father, we thank you for the ultimate demonstration of this greatness in your Son, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Through his death, he paid the price to set us free from sin and all its consequences. And through his resurrection, he demonstrated that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. So help us to trust Jesus. And in all the simple acts of service, where whether it's in work, or whether it's caring for family members or friends, help us to recognize that Jesus looks upon these simple acts of service and he calls them truly great. Father, we thank you for this, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to respond uh, by singing our final hymn, which highlights this theme of in our weakness coming to Jesus, and he's the one who gives us strength. So as the musicians begin, we'll stand together and sing.
on you and be gracious to you. May God, may the Lord look on you with favor and give you grace. Amen.